This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And it's wonderful to have them with us. And, you know, we've been talking about Zupan's Burger Thursdays and Fridays. Mm -hmm. Thursdays is at Lake Grove and Fridays, I believe, is at McAdam. Mm -hmm. So it's great. You get to walk up and pick your ingredients. But anyway, we've been talking about it and it took a while for the two of us to convince me, to entice me to go out there. Actually go and do it. Yeah. So I did it... uh, <laughs> Ironically, right before a doctor's appointment last week ah. right across the street. Yeah. But um, just you can smell it from across the street. Mm-hmm. They're grilling great burgers. So I was about third on line, not a long line, and, and the burger was ready in five minutes. But the guy in front of me literally starts out with asking everything about everything. After a minute, it was like, come on, man, right. it's a burger. <laughs> So where's the meat from? Do you have any kind of bun other than the one you have? And he hadn't yet seen what the bun was. Do you fry the French fries in oil? What kind of spices and there any added sugars? And then the guy says, ah, just give me a burger with everything on it and I'll take the fries the regular (laughs) way and walks away. After all of that, (laughs) I know you know me with my East Coast. uh, Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have no patients. time for it. You have no time for well, that. Well, I had a doctor's appointment. I had right. to chomp that burger down before right. the doctor's appointment. Yeah. Anyway, burger Thursdays and Fridays outside. It's a beautiful. They have a breezeway down there. It's a beautiful place to sit there and eat. So if you're not able to actually make it to the burgers in the breezeway, you need to just go check out their meat and seafood departments because they've always got great ready to grill favorites that you can find there. And I did this over the weekend for Father's Day. Yes, I purchased my own food. For Father's Day, I thought you myself. Were... Well, we we did go to Ringside, but for breakfast, we always do a big breakfast. Oh, okay, gotcha. I went and got the local. They got the local raspberries. We've been talking about the hood oh, strawberries. Yeah. They got those, but they've been all oh, the local raspberries. My my daughters love raspberries, and Zupan's the place to go for it. They are their produce department is great. But to go back to the fish department, mm-hmm. did you know that if you like something and say, ah, I don't know if I can get to that tonight, they'll just vacuum pack that for you right then and there. Which is great. So, yeah. You do that often when you're heading out to the coast. Right. And meat too. Meat yep. or fish, they'll yep. do that. Definitely a reason for you to check out Zoo Pants today. Three locations, Burnside, Lake Grove, and McAdam. And of course, always, ZooPans.com. All right, here we go. It's time once again for a classic episode of Right at the Fork with your host, Chris Angeles, Portland Food Adventures. You know, and we're doing this always. You say that, and yeah. I say Cork from kink.fm. Yeah. And it's a good thing. It yeah, is. Yeah, these are all good things. We're combining uh, your talent of many years with, I don't know what I have, but... Uh, but it's good to be here with you. <laughs> you, 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 you bring the expertise when it comes to uh, well, I, I should say the relationships that we. That yeah, I don't necessarily know what expertise I have, but I enjoy doing this. So yeah, if it maybe, comes out that there's any expertise whatsoever, um, great. I like to say I'm a professional in in the radio business only because they pay me to do it. Yeah, that's what makes me a professional. Otherwise, I'm just. Regular. And we're both professional podcasters. There too. we go. We, yeah, we have a few. You know, we have some the best list of sponsors you can have. Yeah, we do. It took four years to get to the point where it's like this is gold. This yep. is what we want. Mm-hmm. Just because we're proud to have them. So absolutely. Um, we should. Uh, uh, do we do the disclaimer here, Chris, or do we do we tell who our guest is? Because this was the first time only. 
only ever that we ever had to do kind of a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode. Right. And Kelly Cox is very proud of that. Yes. So uh, Kelly Cox of Original Fair, you go look it up. You just Google Kelly Cox Original Fair and you'll get to her um, PBS series, which I believe now is in uh, season se- five. Season five. Yeah. So she goes, her deal is uh, pretty awesome. She goes around the world to find the best. She's in search of the best ingredients, and she talks to the best producers and the best people to source um, great food from, seafood, grains, anything. And uh, she's got a lot of wit, and she also likes her uh, She likes her whiskey, too, or yeah. burby, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So um, it's fun to watch, really fun to watch. So, And fun to listen to here on the podcast, uh, Kelly Cox. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupan's on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove, and at Zupan's.com. Eat well, put taste first, love your food. Ringside Hospitality Group. Owned by the Peterson family for nearly 75 years, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape. And Ringside Fish House, in the heart of downtown, boasts the freshest seafood and an exceptional wine list. Both serve the world-famous onion rings that James Beard claimed to be the best he's ever had. Visit ringsidesteakhouse.com and ringsidefishhouse.com and make a reservation today. Join right at the Four Coast Chris Angeles for once-in-a-lifetime trips this fall to eat and sip your way through Sicily, Mexico City, and PFA's famous trip with Italo chef Jose Chesa to Barcelona. See the exciting itineraries at portlandfoodadventures.com and find Chris's contact information there too. If you love food and travel, these trips are for you. And make sure to check in on local PFA events. And by San Pellegrino. Iconic, fresh, sparkling water with extraordinary Italian heritage is a refreshing way to enhance any dining experience. Ask for San Pellegrino by name next time you're having a great meal. Ever since its founding in 1899, San Pellegrino has been a premium brand synonymous with style. I would think you could, you could, you could follow anybody. Yeah? Yeah, I think you can hold your own. I try. Well, you do a good job. You, say every, you, you know, every show you're putting yourself out there, right? Do you have... It's true. Do you have insecurity um, where you think, oh my God, I don't... Because it's one thing, Court, you know, on just audio-wise. Right. We have to think about what we say. Oh, sure, you but then to, You have visually, to think about the whole thing. Yeah, that's total, uh, total package. I have to do the whole thing. It's the, my least favorite part of the job is being on camera. I'm a shy person. Nobody believes me. Uh, yeah, no, I, I don't am. believe... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with if that. people could see your face on this podcast, I, I don't know if anybody believes that. I don't think that. No. That's just, I'm going to call you on bullshit right off the, right <laughs> no, I, off the top. There, there is some truth to that, though, because like vi- visually, you can't, hi- you can't hide anything. And, and me being in the world of radio, yeah. like the, the advent of social media changed it for a lot of us because you used to be able to hide behind a microphone in a studio. You would talk to, to people on the phone every now and then, maybe meet them at events. But otherwise... They didn't know who you were, and that's where you get the phrase "a face for radio." Mm-hmm. And that, but it's changed now. Where they're putting, 
cameras in studios uh, and you're doing Facebook Live all the time and suddenly you have to be somewhat, you know, presentable to be oh, a radio yeah. person. It's just like, ugh. Well, oh, let's yeah. just give it's it a what I signed sh- up for. Let's give a shout out to the Pecha Kucha thing, which people could look up. But oh, yeah. you're on the radio every day right. talking to a lot of people and 300 people doing a live presentation. Right. You were very nervous. Made me nervous. Yeah. Yeah. So do you that, get that nervous? Makes me nervous. Do you get, what makes you what makes you nervous? Ugh, the fact that when I am myself, how many people I'm going to offend. <laughs> that actually goes through your mind? It does. I mean, but and on one hand, I really set myself up for success because I try to work with people I really respect and admire. But then, you know, the drinks start flowing pretty easily. And I don't know what this wild <laughs> animal is going to do next. It's just something's going to happen. <laughs> but, you, but you're obviously okay with that because then you would say, all right, I got to not put myself in that position. Ugh. Right, so because Life's I think lessons. from what I, you know, I know you, we've hung out a little bit. We've hung I, out, we're buds. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, yeah, I can't say I know you really well, but I also know you probably more than most people sitting in that chair, right? That I talk to, and I think you celebrate, you celebrate your interest <laughs> in alcohol. <laughs> that is the best description I've ever heard about my love for drinking. <laughs> and it come and it's on the show too, right? It you is talk- on the show. It has to be on the show, and I think it's partly because it helps me relax, and I think it helps my subjects relax. And I, at the end of the day, people because it's a video, people have to be entertaining. You know, they have to be charismatic, and they have to have a lot of energy. And sometimes I might need to ply them with a shot or two to get to them to that point. Now, however, and yourself too, and right? myself too. However, I feel like. Your 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 last guest, Eli, was uh, he's I think started the shot, the shots in the show. I think when we shot our episode together a few years ago, he kind of started that doing whole, shots on the show. Whole thread, and it's like, oh yeah, this is a great idea. I should just do this all the time. Oh, that's good that he gets credit for that. It was one thing he didn't we didn't talk about at all. <laughs> but just to just so people don't get confused, we record two episodes at a time. Yours is going to hit before his hits. <laughs> so, so just su- just subscribe to the show so you know yeah. when that one's hitting because that was a great interview that we just did. So it's going to yeah. be a great day. You, yeah. you, you can follow him. You will follow him. And it's just I've been so excited about your coming on here. I know. I'm jazzed that you finally invited me, Chris. Well, Lucas pushed me a little bit last time we were hanging out at the what you thought was the Lions Club. but it The was American Legion. The American I knew Legion it was wrong in, when it came Cannon, out. In Cannon Beach. It's all right. Well, you wrote it, though. You didn't delete yeah. it. Um, I'm not challenging on that. You I are. Just, you are. I just got a kick out of it because I think it's amusing that that's one of the better spots to eat on the coast. Is The fish fry the, is the my favorite experience. Favorite dining experience in Oregon. Oh my God, I'm going to make so many people upset by that. But <laughs> is that your absolute favorite dining experience in Oregon with all the people you know? <laughs> hey, Carlo. <laughs> oh, Carlo. I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> um, I think what I love about it is the just ca- casualness. Uh, the only other. There's no pretense. Ex- there's no pretense. The only other experience that I would want, you know, I travel the world eating all the time in such random places. I love Oregon, but I because of the outside, and I I would hope that Portland would get better at just doing some good old outdoor throwdowns. Throwdowns like get rid of the white tablecloths, get rid of the seated plating, you know, all of that stuff, and just party. Don't you think there's enough of that? I mean, I throw those parties, but yeah, no, I know, but they're done. It's not like there's none of that. I guess I'm just not invited. 
I probably pissed somebody off and I'm not fucking invited. No, you haven't pissed anybody off, I'm sure. <laughs> so what I'm curious about is um, you grew up in Missouri. 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 You pronounce it Missouri. My father went to the University of Missouri. Oh, why, yeah. did he, why is that an is that an East uh, state thing and a West Coast thing. I really state? never figured it out. Some of us and say Missouri. Some of us say Missouri. Depends on if you live in St. Louis or not. Pardon me. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. What, what part of the state depends? Yeah, maybe. Maybe well, anyway. I don't know. I grew up in a town, and some people said Missouri. Yeah. So just when you read, you know, in your bio that you grew up in this town of two hundred that you know was pretty racist, <laughs> you, you're all of a sudden thinking Huck Finn. You know, <laughs> like I, that's the the. That was the imagery that came up. So, but how much of that is still in you to give you the attitude that you have, the, the just your personality that you have now? The fact that you're, you know, that you're pissing people off and you <laughs> really don't give a shit. Um, and where does, how does that come from, Missouri? Well, I think there's a few ways of looking at it. And I, and I spent a lot of time looking at it. I even went back and did an episode there to try to work out some of my former demons and issues with location. Um, and then, of course, we ended up electing President Trump. So now I really don't give a flying fuck about telling the world that, yeah, there's a lot of racist, narrow-minded communities out there. Um, I, you know, I grew up in a town that had no fences. You know, it was on a bluff overlooking the Missouri River. We didn't have leashes for dogs. It was just a very wild and free place surrounded by farms. But, you know, at that point, you know, this is the 80s. Nobody gave a shit about where their food came from. You know, there were farmers who raised chickens and pigs and beef and you would trade with your neighbors and you would can. You know, my mother would can every summer. But it wasn't like nobody gave a... It well, was just normal. It, right. It, w- it wasn't a thing. It was just that normal. It is here. It just is what, it, that's what it was. Yeah. And I love the land. I hated the religious, uh, re- religious mentality. You know, we only had churches, no fucking grocery stores. Um, so I moved to New York and I think part of me always wanted to get back to the land and find that location that I felt at home with again. Cause I really do love being outside and being in nature and being wild and free. And I think Oregon kind of represents some sort of common ground where I get to experience things in a significant way with bypassing a lot of the bullshit. So, but you say you like the, and you went to New York. I went, so, I went to New York. So, well, because I hated it then. You know, I, you, it was you, the opposite of what It was you were. opposite. I was looking at the cities and, and, and TV shows and thinking, oh my God, the whole world exists somewhere else that's not here. And then, you know, my time in New York, which was just insane and magical and wild. This what, what years were that? Was, was that? I got there right before 9-11, and then I left, I guess, 2015? Oh, that's not even, long ago. I don't even remember anymore. Um, but this food thing was happening, and I got really annoyed by it, because all of these fucking hipsters were coming out of the woodworks and like it was so charming for them like oh back to nature however we'd <laughs> we'd left the farmers a long time ago we had lost that connection decades generations i mean all the people i grew up with had to start farming corn and soy for the plastics industry because nobody was buying food from them so i, I kind of started out with a little bit of a, my, a chip on my shoulder about the whole thing that's interesting. So that's and that's what's driven you. There's been a few things that have driven you. Oh, there's so chip many in the things. Folder, <laughs> uh, chip in the folder. Chip in the folder. Chip in your shoulder uh, about that. And I don't know if I'll call it a chip, but I. But in reading your bio and talking to you, you know, you were obviously uh, 
took the challenge of people telling you, hey, a show like you're going to do can't be done by a woman. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh, you, uh, yeah. you have taken that challenge and just said, fuck that. Yeah. And um, where did that come from? Ugh. Was that was that something that was that you felt growing up too the mis- misogyny and? Well, I have led a very uh, strange and unpredictable life. You know, I got kicked out of high school for what? <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to just let that comment uh, and statement go by. Uh, well, <laughs> I got kicked out of high school for doing a lot of drugs, throwing chairs at superintendents, getting in a lot of fights, and just basically being pissed off at the uh, obsession with mediocrity. <laughs> so, but suffice it to say, you probably weren't an easy daughter. Oh, my poor mother. <laughs> <laughs> my poor mother. I just took her to Ireland for an episode, though, so I'm like... I finally made up. Was for that it. a little payback? Oh, I, I will pay her back for the rest. For of the my rest. Life. <laughs> what are some of the shittiest things that you that she would love to hear you cop to right now that you did? Uh, really, you guys want to go there? Just a little. Okay, Just the top line. Well, you know the the lying about. You know, you sneak out. They know you're sneaking out. Then you show up, and I'm I'm rocked on. I'm probably tripping my balls off on acid or something. <laughs> And she's there waiting for me, and she just knows I'm full of shit. She's like, I was like, I just went outside to smoke. <laughs> she's like, no, I see what's going on right here. I see what's going on with you right now. And I'm just lying to her face, and she knows better. And so I, you know, I got whopped, <laughs> as, I, as I deserved. <laughs> so um, what kind of relationship do you have now? What was What was going to Ireland like? Was it a... Was it a newfound? Was there something about no. it that you discovered, or no? We've always been best friends. My my parents, my family, and I were really close. So she could call you on your bullshit, but also not be like love, yeah, unconditional love. love. Okay, they knew what they were dealing with, and they somehow did a great job. <laughs> <with this. laughs> That's your judgment, right? <laughs> well, you know, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> the day's young. So that's the that's the criteria. That you're actually here well, living I, and breathing. You know, I created, I was able to take her to Ireland. None of her other children can say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, dig. <laughs> How many children? How many siblings do you have? I have three brothers. Three brothers? Oh, no wonder you're a hellion. I'm tougher than all of them. You, do they, do they, would they agree with that? Two of them probably, mm. 100%, one of them might challenge me. Yeah, and if they challenge you, would it be arm wrestling or what would it be? Shit talking. Shit talking. Mm. Yeah. I have a feeling you can talk you can talk circles around oh. I don't know your brother, but I have a feeling you could do a pretty good job. Especially if my throat's loaded with whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought about that today, Court, but you know, we have the no food or drink right. thing here. Yeah. yeah. I um, thought about having some before coming in and then I was worried what might come out. You, so I learned you this wouldn't thing. Be the, you wouldn't be the first I guest. learned this nope. great saying in, in <laughs> Ireland that says uh, the whiskey goes in, the secrets come out. And yeah. I was like, I should title that. I should change the title of my show to that. <laughs> yeah, and when you came up with Original Fair, was it a, was that something oh. that was on the table? A whiskey? Yeah, something to do with whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the 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 development of the show was actually quite interesting because I originally made this show um, with two different hosts, and I was sort of producing and directing, and then we, I had two cameramen, audio, the whole thing. We shot a pilot for NBC out in Montauk, and it just didn't seem to work, you know? It just didn't feel right, and um, 
you know, my interest was never in being in front of the camera. I wanted to be a writer my whole life. That's really all I wanted to do. Um, and I just kind of did this out of passion for pursuing interesting people in this landscape of, of agriculture, hunting and foraging and farming. Um, so one day I just said, fuck it. Uh, we were driving across the state from New York to California as our business, our production business was sort of hitting that, that recession wall. And I said, fuck it, let's just make it ourselves. I'll be on, I'll, I'll just do it. <laughs> I drank a lot to get through it. And suddenly it, it existed. And here we are. And so it doesn't just exist, right? <laughs> it, it takes a lot. You know, I was watching just uh, to get prepared for this. I watched a few episodes this morning, cut up yeah. early because I wanted to be in the, the, the Kelly mindset. So, Did you uh, see the Amazon? Yes. Oh, yes. I love that. Uh, the, the piranha were a lot smaller than I thought they were going to be. Yeah. They're tasty, though. Yeah. Well, you didn't say that. I didn't say that? Well, you know what? No, 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 no. You might have said that, but I, di I did have certain spots where I was going to pour coffee as I was watching it, so I might have missed it. I'm sorry. You didn't pause? You didn't pause? <laughs> no, I did not. Because so did, I you see the, did you see the nudie shot? Was it tastefully done? Mm. <laughs> you have to, no, you have to return to that. Just, we can pull that up right now. Up right now. <laughs> I, I can, missed that one as well. You can pull it up. So you, got, so you do have a little thing with nudity, right? Because it obviously was on the show, and you did say somewhere here that you would love to be running through Portland naked. Oh, someday. Uh, uh, Oregon. When, Oregon. Oregon. Oh, oh, not Portland. Not Portland. Oh, well, that's still that counts where I am at at the coast. See? Still part of it. <laughs> I there might have been a few times running naked through Portland did happen, uh, but I prefer to be in the woods. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with being <laughs> in the woods. It's one of the beautiful things about the state. It's the whole the beautiful thing. It's whole one point of being here. Being really, it's not bullshit. Being one with nature. No. Mm -mm. So uh, we should. We'll talk about the show because we started down that track, but. What is it that brought you to, what, what was the moment where you said, let's go to Portland? Oh, that is like, it's a really fucked up question. <laughs> answer, fucked up answer. I'm going to give you the cliff notes on it. Um, well, we, you know, we got robbed uh, when Lucas and I were, were filming the show and the documentary and still living in California. We got robbed in Italy and we, we lost about $30,000 of our life. And that hit us really hard. That was about October. And I was there filming a truffle story um, in Alba, which was beautiful. We came home realizing I've put us in this beautiful beach house we could no longer afford. We could go to Los Angeles and just play the, the grind of production and working in entertainment. But, you know, I'm not really, I don't consider myself a filmmaker or an entertainment person. So LA What do you just, consider yourself? I'm still trying. Well, to you'd like it. to just say you're a writer oh, yeah, and you happen yeah. to be on camera. I'm a drunken poet. <laughs> there you go. Um, and so I got invited to come film the Truffle Festival here in Oregon. And I ended up shooting an episode with Eli at the time. And I went down and I um, shot a story with Truffle Festival. I met my friend Sean at Wildcraft Cider, who I'm now working with. And, and it was just sort of the strange confluence of events and locations. And I, I remember specifically driving from Portland to Eugene. And I don't really think I'd ever been to Eugene before, but that drive, just looking out on that landscape, something just kind of clicked. I was like, this feels like home. Mm -hmm. You know, this really feels like home. Um, and then that was that was sort of it. I had to be on the road quite a bit after that, and we needed to make a decision. So we packed up and 
we came here. I found a place online and then I hit the road and I actually didn't, my stuff was here, my cats were here and then I showed up like a month or so later. <laughs> so the show was already going at that point. You already had yeah. the original fair going. Yeah, the show was season, I think that was shooting for season three or season two, I can't remember. Hey, Chris, right now would be a great time to talk about one of our great sponsors here at Right at the Fork, the Ringside Hospitality Group. Yes, which en- encompasses Ringside Steakhouse. It's been around for over 75 years in the Peterson family. Mm-hmm. And also Ringside Fish House, uh, a little less time over right off of Director's Park, uh, which is a really special place. Court, last night you were there, I was there, we were in separate rooms and we didn't know it. Yeah, we, we kind of put it together after the fact. My wife posted a picture uh, of me and my girls, I went there for Father's Day. Right, and I saw 545 and I said, well, no, that's just about when we were there. Yeah. But we missed you, and we could have gotten all the kids together. What fun that would have been. It, so we are there with my sons for Father's Day, getting a little dip into the all-day Sunday happy hour. Yeah. Some calamari, some um, steak bites, and then we also ordered, and what I've gotten into lately over there yeah. is uh, king crab legs. Oh, with the little drawn butter. So we had that. We had some I thought prawns. you were going to say the donuts off of their... Off of their oh, we had that oh, you too. had that too. <laughs> we didn't miss that. So we had donuts and we had chocolate cake for dessert. Yeah. But uh, my, uh, we went for Father's Day and uh, it was a nice way to spend it. It's really Sundays are good because it's all day happy hour. Right. And then, of course, on Mondays, we, I've discovered the Dollar Oyster Mondays too. It's great. You can just oh, yeah. sit down and get a dozen oysters for 12 bucks in Portland, Oregon at, from the Ringside Fish House. Come yeah. on. My, my wife, Randy, woke up this morning and wants to go back to the fish house to get those oysters because they were so good last night that she got. How many did you order? You didn't order them I didn't, all? I didn't you order the dollar oyster Mondays. No, I wasn't feeling oystery on, on uh, Father's Day, so I went a different route. I went with the crab cakes, which were really, really good. Okay, yeah. Uh, she, but she did it, and uh, yeah, no, we're, we're already making plans to go there without the kids because we, we you got to do that sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, I was, except for last night. Right. I, well, no, I go with my sons yeah. once in a while there. Your, your, your sons are older than mine. Right. And because we're talking about kids, you, we have to be, uh, we have to balance it out a little bit. Yep. And here, Chris, is something we need to tell everybody about. Starting this Thursday, July 5th through Sunday, July 8th, you can enjoy $2 oysters in the lounge at Ringside Fish House. That uh, is chef selections available by the dozen or half dozen. Now, keep in mind, the lounge is open from 3 p.m. to close and actually now allows minors up until 9 p.m. So check them out online, ringsidefishhouse.com, ringsidesteakhouse.com. So how far in advance, so you're, you've got season four out now, right? Or is it season three? Uh, season four is out now. Yeah, so that's what I thought, season four. Are you thinking about season five yet? Because <sighs> like, there are I mean, so I'm many... Shooting, I'm shooting still for season four. So like Ireland will be season four. I'm going... I'm, I'm shooting still for season four. I, I, don't, I don't know about season five. I'm not sure. But are, uh, is season four completely planned? Um, that's what 90, I'm, that's 90%, what I'm getting at. 90%. Like, how far in advance are you thinking about these? Because it's a fun thing that you have going. That does not mean that it's not hard work. And that yeah. it, there are things that are, drive you crazy. But it's very that No one would argue that it's pretty cool to have a, a TV show yeah. going that you can count is going to be there. You don't have to go find yeah. a place to have it distributed now um, and be able to fantasize what would be cool. Yeah, and, and then do it. So how's how's that process go, and and how do you formulate? Where do you get the budget for all? How does how does that how do the financials work? For I mean, I show? have to give out a lot of blowjobs. 
<laughs> you know, I have to make light of it because it's it's fucking hard. You're the first one to admit that. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's for ladies, and that's fine too. Um, no, it's 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 t- it's tough. You know, you wake up. When I say it, it exists, it, you, I do make the choice. You know, you wake you wake up and you make the choice. And um, certainly, there's there's things that I I, I want to stories I want to tell. However, I have to get every single episode funded. You know, PBS doesn't pay me anything. Um, so you have to find, you kind of have to find a balance of here's a great story. Here's where I can maybe get a sponsor that would help who's a right fit for the story. Um, and then you sort of have to think about reinvesting what pro- profit mar- margins you have into stories that are going to have no budget. So you have to go out and sell each episode to some to a company? Yeah, to, to somebody. Yeah, tourism boards are typically who I work with. Um, but I also work with, you know, the goat cheese of France did a story with me. Um, Newfoundland, I'm going to. I'm going to work with a commercial seal harvesting company, Carino. So it's sort of a How hodgepodge. How do you find them? How do, and that's got to be half of the difficulty of what you're doing um, is coming up with the funding. I would say. Because we do that here. Yeah. And not, certainly not my favorite part. No. We're lucky to have found people we like, but, yeah. you know, that's not an easy process. No, it's not. And a lot of times, you know, I just went down to Oaxaca two months ago to do a story on Mezcal, um, and I really kind of wanted to dig into the wall and immigration issues. Nobody was going to fund that, right? So I just had to find a way to, like, pull the resources out of my ass. But I'll tell you what, that was one of the best stories I think I've ever shot and one of the most magical trips of my life. But uh, now I don't think PBS, is, they're too scared to air it because it talks about Trump. And you know, Trump hates PBS. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's, that's um, you know, you have to deal with PBS and you have to also deal with your sponsors. So if, you get, if mm-hmm. you're getting funded... Do you, are you beholden to say all the right things? No, there's a, there's a sweet spot. You know, having done this before it became my show, you know, I, I had to sell this stuff for video services when I started my business. That's just what I did. You know, I went to Disney and I got money to do such such and such thing, but those were really big budgets. So you're you're handling you're pushing all that control to them at the end of the day. But I kind of found a sweet spot with with pricing and approach where we we understand on a common ground where I'm going to come at that story but they have no editorial control they don't see a rough you know they don't they don't get to have that kind of involvement because once you go down that path then it's no longer my show it's uh, and then it's they're making suggestions by. well yeah. not only that but you got to deal with suggestions and then yeah these are the people paying you how do you, you yeah blowjobs won't work at that point i mean they might they might yeah <laughs> <laughs> you'd be surprised what those what problems <laughs> those right, can well, solve i'm not i'm not gonna <laughs> There's the there's well he's like and uh, time's over <laughs> so Kelly everybody no, I was more thinking about well there's a there's an arsenal I don't have in my repertoire and that's why we're no um, so uh, so PBS basically has just agreed to distribute the show mm-hmm. that's 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 the, that's the relationship yeah and the, but they can knock it down saying you mentioned Trump. We have only had, I mean, they've been wonderful partners to work with and they've been supportive of me. I mean, sure, I would like a little more, but um, they haven't really gotten, uh, they haven't had too much of a creative input. There's only been two times. The first was when I did the factory chicken farm episode with Purdue. And what their response was, you need to lawyer up. 
like you need to be prepared because Purdue might come after you and see you and and my and agreement not, with them and they're not small and they're not small and my my agreement with PBS is I have all the liability so you know go ahead and sue me guys all I've got are cats um, yeah but you don't want to give them up <laughs> depends they, on the day are they worth any money <laughs> how much is a cat going for these days probably about buck fifty yeah um, and then this one because of the political times that are happening. You know, I think they're just a little bit scared and it's, you know, I'm a little bit bummed. I feel like now is the time more than ever to be uh, ballsy and aggressive and and forward about your stance, considering that we have a womanizing douchebag who's running our country and has a hold of the nuclear codes. So why? And, and, and I didn't even say Trump was bad in the episode. I just put together clips of him talking about building a wall and getting the bad hombres out. Those are his words, not mine. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that, that, no, because there are no facts. Oh God. Right. So yeah. Let's. You, let, we, we don't have whiskey. We can't talk about. I this. was actually. <laughs> I was actually thinking, court. Right. Right. As Kelly started to even mention that, we yeah. should just cut the. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's going to happen. I think that we're in a world where that will happen, where there will be things that are just shut down. Um, that we'd never d- dreamed could happen in this country. I think that's going to happen. Yeah, you know, I I was in um, Algeria last year touring my dock with the embassy, and uh, I remember being in the city of Constantine, which is a walled city, and just outside my hotel room, you know, you open up that window and you see the ruins of time, the ruins of cultures that have come and fought and dominated. And it was that moment, and this was probably February, that I realized, oh, Trump could absolutely be president. We are mm-hmm. such a young country. Um, however, I'm, I'm just kind of getting to that point of there's so such a big world out there, you know? So either I retreat to the woods of Oregon <laughs> or <laughs> I hide in the mountains of Algeria. But I'll get to your point, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because traveling for- forces you or allows you to open up your mind. And I will say, uh, I'm going to... Italy in the fall and doing trips with people, I started watching Rick Steves Mm -hmm. religiously and binge watching. And for me, I started to see, he was talking, you know, he's very good at talking about the history of civilizations Mm -hmm. and what that, what has happened. And for me, I started to think, well, this is just a blip in time. Mm -hmm. Horrible, more horrible things have happened over, you know, hundreds of years ago. It is. And people, I guess a lot of people didn't survive, but civilizations came through it. But uh, I think... Traveling helps open your mind up, so you know maybe you're not as horrified by it. Maybe you see it as a as a little you know where the United States isn't everything. We're not. I mean, you know, I was in Zambia. I love Zambia. You, I had the what do you love about best. Zambia? They are crazy wild. I think I'm wild, man. They can party like they showed me things I've never seen before. <laughs> but they they they're they're a country that has, you know, got their freedom, they got their independence I believe in the 70s and they lost entire generations to AIDS and HIV. But you come around them and they have such spirit and such kindness and warmth and um they're just they're just happy to be alive and they're making things and I feel like it's the, the beginning of this artistic new time for them. And they're not sitting there fretting like we do about everything. You know, every I just feel like Americans were constantly fretting. You know, they're on social media thinking about their followers or they're worried about what happened in the news or a tornado is going to come there. And it's just every day we compound ourselves with this intense worry. 
Well, we're also we're also the most media centric society in the history of the world, and that's why we're we're sucking that in and, and processing it. Yeah, and look at all of us sitting in this room yeah, making sitting media, in this room talking about your TV show, <laughs> making media. <laughs> but I, you know, that's a good question, and I think we've been kind of going here and there. But I, I'm interested in this because um, I find when people talk about genuine people and being real. Mm-hmm. I don't always know what that means because people are doing what they do and some people obviously are honest and some aren't. That's all questionable. But mm-hmm. but at some point you, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder and I see it in Portland, the pursuit of authenticity <laughs> is commercial unto itself. Yes. Right. It's like it's a brand being authentic. Yes. And so I just wonder how you whether you think about that. I think about it all the time, you know, because. We all look in the mirror and sometimes see the parts of us that we don't necessarily. And you're not always, you know, we're not always to ourselves the greatest people. So how do you deal with that being public? Um, You know, your public persona and you're trying to you're you're trying to have your private person just be your public persona. Right. It it is. And I and I think that's where I kind of have to forgive myself a little bit which is hard every day I'm usually taking a shower and I'm like fuck why did you do that fuck, you're such a stupid idiot you know and then you get out of it and and I realize I am who I am and I think that's why people can connect with me because there's just no bullshit you know what you see is what you get I definitely don't compartmentalize myself in ways and right now especially in the city and I really kind of freaks me out there there's definitely a persona happening that's a packaged authentic authenticity and i really get jazzed when i get to meet the people who are just on the surface you know this is me i mean one of my best buddies here craig there's no there's he's not trying to be anything but craig peterson especially when there's whiskey involved and he and i can throw it back Uh, no shit i (laughs) i uh I feel like I don't. Th- we haven't spoken since the last time we were together. But yeah, yeah, I had the. Uh, I thought it was one of my favorite moments was hanging out with you I guys mean, with both of you I, I, like just, by eleven o'clock, and I just for me to decide, I'm just going to shut up and listen because we just go at it. I mean, look at great. our other mutual friend, Damien. We're speaking of Craig at Ringside. Yeah, by the way, just because it's not fair oh, for yeah. people to podcast just to hear names. They don't know. I'm just yeah, going to name so drop. Yeah, um, Damien Magista, one of my favorite people. He's insane. Yeah, and it's you, what you see but is what really you get. Not. I don't think. He, well, yes, but I. But you know, he's insane in all the right ways. It's interesting that two two of us have gravi- gravitated towards Damien. How how do you not? Well, no, but you can't. No, he's someone I really enjoy hanging out with, and you do too. Although the three of us never hung out, which is surprising. No, well, we'll, we'll make that happen. We'll make that happen. I wish I I have plans for my birthday. We could do the second annual birthday thing yeah. coming up, but we'll do something. But at any rate. Um, yeah, I see it all the time. And and I noticed you're calling bullshit on a lot. Yeah. And I'm going to try to bring this up without, I don't want to get um, personal on any business, but you and I actually met. We were at a, a dinner where the whole dinner was about how this restaurant was doing things differently and wonderfully and all that. And I'm sitting there, this is great. I'm sitting there impressed by the whole thing going, oh, this is great. And I'm so happy to be here. And I'm sitting with Kelly and Lucas, new, you know, you guys are really cool. And then at the end, you just look at me and go, that was total bullshit. (laughs) 
I'm remembering that. Yeah, so it, we're not it's, getting it's specific. Here. I'm not going to get specific on people because I, I, I think everybody has good intentions, but there is a point when, especially the restaurants here in the city, need to start taking some honest responsibility for who, who they are and what they represent. And I, you know, and this is where Craig and I, we know we don't agree. He uses beef that I'll never eat, but he's like, that's just how I roll. Not everybody can afford the expensive grass-fed steak, so that's just it. I would like to see more of that instead of all of these trappings of farm to table and this is the ethos and this is the story. And you look down and you dig, you don't even have to dig that deeply. You just scratch it a little bit and you're like, ah, bullshit. And how, what, what, what frustrates me more in that scenario is all they're doing is taking away the opportunity for growth and uh, uh, stamina in the businesses who are making that extra effort and making that eff- extra uh, resource putting that extra resource in to do what they truly believe is the, is the right product. You know, I see it with my friend, um, Sean, who I'm, who does wildcraft cider, who I'm working with and talk about a f- fascinatingly flooded market of a lot of garbage and bottles. I mean, people are trucking in apples and juices and all this crap from out of state, but yet they market the hell out of it as though it's this fucking golden apple urine in a bottle and it's the best thing ever. But it's not. And I see what he has to be up against now to try to be competitive in the mar- in that marketplace. And it's just, it it's frustrating. Eli just said the same thing this morning. Exact same thing. <sighs> but everything that's sold and, you know, his stuff is so, is everything about it is local and uh, he's going out of his way and others are shipping things in and packaging it and proce- uh, selling it as such. Um Court. I, I had this fascination maybe, it was probably 20 years ago when I was coming out of college. I wanted to be a travel show host ah. just because of, but and I remember reaching out to somebody who had a show and it was one of the not the one of the not very good ones on, on PBS and asking them about it. And that was their biggest, that was kind of their deterrent to me was like, oh, nah, it's so hard to do this thing because you have to get funding for it on your own. So, so your answer to this is what's next is just, it's amusing to me because I don't think you saw yourself 10 years ago as being quote unquote, a travel show host, Mm-mm. even though it's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a different version of, of travel, but it's the, to me, it's the more enjoyable type of travel shows where it's more real. You're seeing stuff, but like, yeah. So what, what is next from here? Yeah, it's, um, and it. There's a few things because, yeah, like we've talked about, it's it's a great thing to do. And when I think about I can't handle it anymore, it's just too much. I think about what the alternative would be and I, I come up short. You know, I can't, I'm too old to strip. I, I've aged out of that. So <laughs> That's the first that anybody's ever resolved. <laughs> uh, did so you resolve that you, right you, now or is you, that something you've thought about? You haven't been to any of the clubs here in Portland. <laughs> I, think I get kicked out wrong. of them often. Oh, okay, um, right. uh, so, yeah, I, I, I have the energy to keep that going and I, and I think I do want to you know, think about a season five, things are sort of evolving and changing a little bit on how I approach the show, which I think will make my life a bit easier. But then I'm thinking about like, what's the universe with original fare as it expands beyond just the show. So I've been trying to get a really cool book off the table, you know, since forever. Um, And then I'm starting these collaborative products with friends that I feature in the stories like the Marshalls, who I love, Mm -hmm. Sarah Marshall. I brought her back some mezcal and chilies from Oaxaca, and we're going to make some, well, we've already made it together, and it's amazing. And then I brought some tea back from my story I did in uh, Sri Lanka and India to Jamie Curl to make a Quinn candy tea syrup. So I'm trying to think about other ways to further 
how people can engage with the concept of original fare, how original fare can continue to be this sort of stamp of integrity. Um, and then also find other paths to, to put some money back into the stories that I want to do. Um, because at the, at the end of the day, there's, there's things that people just are not going to fund and, uh, I'm going to have to find a way to make it happen. So do you have something in mind that the big, the big episode that you haven't been able to do yet because it's not, hasn't been funded? Oh yeah. I want to go and do this. I want to go. So I was in Zambia and then I, um, did something I never do. I like took a day for myself and I ran away from the world. Nobody had any idea where I went. I went to the Zambezi River and on safari. And, you know, I, I couldn't sit and relax, of course. So I end up tracking elephant poachers in the bush, nearly being left for dead. <laughs> um, but it's an interesting story because it's controversial poaching of elephants for ivory and it's terrible. But then there's this side of it where the villagers are harvesting the meat. And that question becomes, is it okay for them to be harvesting the meat when it's technically an illegal activity? And who then are the people to to speak on that with authority that, you know, deserve to speak upon it so it, to me it's it's a fascinating gray area which is what i really like to search for in my stories well it's also an interesting gray area because so and i don't want to get myself in any trouble here either but you know what who's to say that it's not okay to harvest elephant meat but it's okay to harvest these animals that we harvest without even thinking twice about it oh yeah and secondly that it's illegal and we understand why it is but it's illegal, and it's just, you go back to the, the marijuana argument, you know, being jailed. People are jailed for something. We're in one place you can be jailed, and in another place it's perfectly okay. Oh, yeah. So someone's making arbitrary suggestions on what's good and what's bad, morality and all that oh, and stuff. Oh, so. my next episode is going to make me a lot of enemies because I will be hunting seals. I mean, talk about a controversial issue. Paul McCartney has made it impossible. He's... The, the PETA spokespeople against the seal hunting have decimated Inuit culture. I mean, they have put kids into starvation. They have, people have lost their jobs. There have been suicides. But nobody wants to talk about that because it's easier for the celebrities to come out, you know, who have never, ever bothered to even go there and say that is wrong. However, you know, and even my friends who I feel like would be on my side, they're like, oh, I can't believe you're doing that. I'm like, but you're eating that chicken. Well, where, where is the difference there? Mm-hmm. Seals are cute. That dog, I think chickens are cute. <laughs> but I, I, somebody pointed this out to me. It's, it's when you look at a seal face, it has a more humanoid face. The eyes are in, in front rather than on the sides. And so I think there's a human sympathy that kicks in. Mm-hmm. When you see a face like that, you're just like, oh. Mm-hmm. You don't say that with a pig once in a while? You don't look at a pig and go, Every cute. now and then. In fact, I have the conversations all the time with my daughters when they see a cute little pig. And then I'm like, all right, bacon for breakfast. Yeah. And I have to remind them that's that's, how, that's where we get our bacon. That's how it works. But it, it, it is an interesting conversation because then, you know, it, uh, horse is very common in a lot of parts of, of Europe. Yet here in the United States, I mean, horses are for riding. But yet at the same time, we corral them like we do cows. Yeah. And, so, and but God forbid we eat dogs. Yeah, right. So humans are just so morally fucked up. Like we just we just make the morals on our own, and then it just there's no real making sense of any of us. Well, yeah, no, there's no, but it's often very arbitrary, depending on time and place and mindsets, mm-hmm. you know, and and crazy fantasies about what's important and what's going to happen, you know, in afterlives and all that good stuff. 
Mm. Well, I don't know if it's good stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Better than Trump. Well, no. Three mentions. Well, let's we'll move from amazing <laughs> to Trump. Three Trump. mentions of Trump, and we stopped the podcast. It's true. This is the most I've talked about him in a long time, so I apologize. Yeah, no, I've been trying. No, to- I think it's when you say Trump and amazing in the same sentence, Chris. That's when I think there's reason for for there, concern. But it's very, lashings. It's very easy to construct that though to, to make it sound that it's okay. Right. Like it's amazing that he actually said this. Sure. Okay, I see what you so, mean. So, so you both said it and I didn't. You have you have a couple going on. Just so you can listen to, go back and listen. We didn't call you on it. I wanted you to, but I told you once you said it, it was gonna, it was happening. It was gonna happen. Gonna I just happen. think it's everybody's habit, no matter whether, no matter whether you're aware Ugh. of it or not. But I, we're just trying to make people a little aware of that word. You guys hate it. I get it. Yeah, you know what? No, my, the word, hate it. You know just the word hate I hate that everybody needs to stop using is in terms of. Mm. Really? In terms of, eh, it's just you're you're taking a breath. Just take a breath. Shape the sentence differently. <laughs> so you're saying that it's a it, that's a, uh, a a utility phrase people are throwing in just to delay till they can get their thoughts together or to sound smarter. Utility mm. phrase. Um, I like utility phrase. Yeah, I think. Well, there's circle back. Come on. Oh, uh, see, I worked in the cra- I worked in the nonprofit world, and they love that shit. They circle love back. it. Yeah, there's a there are a lot of things that. What really annoys you, other than that? Let's let's spend the next half hour <laughs> going what, on piss. What's what pisses you off? <laughs> what does what's pissed you off in the last week? Oh my god! I mean, there is a mount. Uh, there is. <laughs> I remember. I just got back from Europe on Wednesday. <laughs> would you prefer? You'd prefer to be there, I would imagine. Um. Are you glad to be back? I'm. That's that's a loaded question. I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm conflicted. I'm conflicted on being back. I'm happy to see friends. You know, I got to go out with Carlo and my my friends the other night. Um, but uh, it was it's great being. It's just great being overseas right now. I don't think Europe is ideally where I want to be. I'd be happier going south. Um, what pisses me off? What pisses you off? What pisses you guys off? Oh, I have them ragging all the time, and I and I have to use everything I have to just shut up. I had one this morning, and I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> and and court was involved in the text thing. Oh yeah, I yeah, just yeah, left yeah, it, it alone. Yep, I know what you're talking about. Right. Yep. But uh, but I I don't know if you are, but and I'm older than you are. But I'm really working on not letting those things get to me. I am. I am, and that's why. I, was honest when I haven't talked about politics I've been I've been able to I've been fortunate enough to be gone and then surrounding myself with people who are focused on doing their work making something good and not getting caught up in that rat race of what's happening you know what's happening here what's going on there how's this going to go next so I think it's important to kind of check out of that a little bit I think I, I hope what pisses me off and makes me up, op- hopefully, op- maybe it's optimistic down the line, but it pisses me off that there are a lot of people out there who are feeling really raged and rallied. But at the same time, we still choose to spend what little time we have on this earth contributing to mediocrity and bullshit. That's what pisses me off. You know, I would love to see pa- the passionate people out there really channel and translate that into creating or working with people or supporting others who who are adding value to this planet and are going to help as best they can carry it on for generations to come. But do you think I don't I do you think I was going to phrase it in terms of my opinion? In terms of. Yeah. Did I say that? Yeah. Oh my god. 
I haven't been called on something like that. I don't even realize how I did you that. You can't dish it out. So, yeah, exactly. Take now it. I lost my place, but I think <laughs> I was going to say, um, do you think people are capable of being that? Everybody, not just people. Every, can you expect that from everybody, that they're going to be passionate and authentic and have something they can really latch on to and have the wherewithal to to do what you're talking about? I mean, it's a natural order of things. Some people it can, is. some people can't. I you know, know, you just look at, like, Eli Cairo here this morning from Olympia Provisions. What he's di- done is incredible. There are people who have... He's all right. <laughs> no, but... <laughs> I'm not editorializing on him as a person, and I didn't say you were either. But but what he's done is a that that's a with all the people in the Portland food world trying to do what they're trying to do. He's accomplished a lot in eight years to build what he's built, and some others have built things like that, but not everybody has. So some people are capable of that, and you know what I do is really humble. It's nothing like that, and I have to look at it and just say, "Are you doing your best at what you can?" Yeah. But not everybody does their best. They're just getting by. Yeah. They have to. That's all they have is getting by. Oh, that's and a lot sad. of things pulling at them. I know, but I don't know. I let's, let's not just get by. Let's do more than that. Well, but you can't say that to everybody. I know. I'm an asshole. I'm an asshole that nobody gets and offends everybody, so I no, might as well not, go run not, naked in the woods. I'm not saying you're <laughs> offending anybody. I'm just saying that it's easier to say... You know, it's easier to say, hey, well, I guess, not just get by because some people are just trying to get to getting by. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. And those are some of the issues that happen with this, this election with this person. Yeah, yeah, I get I get that. I mean, I guess I, I, I get a little bit aggressive around it, having come from nothing, having grown up poor, having no formal education, hustling my way through New York. And... You know, I have a lot of people who say, oh, I'd really like that job. That's so cool. How do you do it? Da, 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 da. I have a lot of blonde white girls coming out and trying to copy. That's what pisses me off. Everybody's now trying to copy the show. Vice just came out with a new thing trying to copy the show. And it's like, okay. Do you know they were trying to copy you or you just oh, think they... It's, I mean, it's fine. There's, there's room for everybody and I'm glad that they're doing it. But I've seen people out there basically using my language verbatim. And it's frustrating um, but they're doing something, so I, I guess I just, I get frustrated that if I can get to this point, I mean, there's no reason I should even be sitting in this chair with the activities of my living. <laughs> but you have. But here managed, I am. And you're going to keep going and doing better, so, you know, and you'll have your downs, you know, ups and downs and. Yeah. Join the club world. Come and party. It's fun up here. <laughs> so that's the, that's the end thing. Just make sure that's happening. <laughs> And it, and it's going okay. So what you know what what do you consider? Um, you do a lot of interviews. Oh, it's my yeah, it's my favorite. Right. So, oh wait, I interview people. Yeah, that's my favorite. That's what part I mean. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. So uh, as an interviewer, what's the most important thing that you keep in mind? I'm asking this selfishly uh, to be a great interviewer. Listening. I think listening is is utmost importance. I mean, doing your research is vital but you have to be present in the conversation really listening and and they'll give you cues of where to go and and how they're feeling how they're engaging um but it's it shocks me how few people really listen anymore well it's because we're all very distracted 
you gotta I get those you, you gotta get those followers on instagram yeah, man so yeah but someone might be texting right now or, <laughs> or instant messaging so you have to look so if someone were to and we suggest it go and look up original fair that hasn't seen the show before and only could watch one episode oh i know it's like choosing between oh. your, your children but what what was your where did you feel like you were really really on <laughs> and it could be a couple. I'm not looking to pin you down to one. I just want people yeah. to have that first excellent experience watching your show. Yeah. Not that they couldn't pick anyone, but you know there are going to be some that are and I'm sad. more passionate I'm, about than others. I'm sad while Hawk is not out. My next two organ episodes aren't out yet. Those are great. But there's definitely two. Um, my chicken episode, The Dirty Bird, that I shot, uh, I, it came out last season where I started in Kenya slaughtering a bird from the market and then moved to working in a factory chicken farm and then in Purdue with this amazing farmer Craig Watts who has since he's been he's spoken out against Purdue for years and now he's actually closed his houses down which is huge um, and then ended up on a pasture-raised farm that one really number one it got me smoking again <laughs> because once you work in those farms you can't get that ammonia out of your system and it's just devastating to see how we treat animals and how cruel i mean nature is cruel but humans have the option to approach things a little bit differently um i felt like that one really hit it because for me to see a global perspective of something i think is helps give a deeper context for how cultures relate and exchange with each other you know in kenya it's it's everybody grows kale and corn and tomatoes in their garden right for us that's expensive here but going to a chicken, you know, they do that on a special occasion when they when they want to make something with family or friends coming over. It's not an everyday thing. It's probably not even a once a week thing. But we can buy cookies and chicken and all that shit all all the time. Um, and not think twice about it. And as not we're think twice about it in the and context of it, elephants and horses. While we're tweeting, you know, stop clubbing seals. Um, the other one, I think, the Amazon is really significant. It's kicking off season four and what I'm trying to be more comfortable with, and it's taken me quite a few years, but having my voice more a part of the story. I mean, I really kind of leaned on the subjects in the first few seasons because I was shy and uncomfortable and, and went through a lot of, well, nobody wants to hear what you have to say. They care about that person. And, you know, you're too poetic or you're too mystic or you, you have all these qualities that just aren't going to translate. And for the Amazon, I just kind of said, fuck it. Um, and I'm going to keep pushing some of the reality of, of myself, what goes through my my life experience as doing this show, um, because it's it's not easy. I mean there's a lot of things I'm having to sacrifice in order to make it happen. And, and I, I feel like it should be part of the story just peppered in, but it should be, should be part of it. Well, it's your show. Yeah, I know. I finally accepted that like a couple months ago. <laughs> right, but then, you, but then you've got, you've got input from people and then you've got those voices in the shower that you were talking about. The voices about. in the shower, man, they really hate me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm thinking there needs to be a 12-step group for people who have those voices. Who, Do you have them? What, 12-step no, group? No, the voices. Oh, fuck yes, all yeah, the time. Court, court hears it. It's mm -hmm. like, I, I worry about, this is, this is, compared to your show, this is a small show, but I worry about, you got 45 minutes a week. You're gonna. You're bound to say something stupid, um, right? I Not mean, you. One is. One is. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And 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 everything's gonna be viewed differently. So, what do you want to do better 
we don't have much more time, so mm-hmm. let's just end with what would you like wh- those voices in the in the shower? What if you could? What would it take to end those? Oh, mm. other than a good, good, solid few shots. Good, solid few shots kicks kicks that bitch out fast. <laughs> All right. Well, then that, maybe that's, <laughs> that's just it. No, I think I think I you know to answer that question, um, I think just embracing embracing the chaos of me and just accepting that this is my wild one self and and not everybody will get it but those that those that have that, that have connected to the show and it's primarily women ha- has been really encouraging to experience because like court said earlier or i think you mentioned it i wasn't allowed to do this i'm not a man i'm not bourdain you know i heard that from the get-go and to do it and keep pushing myself out there in a really intimate way, I think is only going to connect me with my with my female viewers even more. So I'm I'm excited about that, and I'm just gonna you know keep having those shots and keep getting ballsy and hope to live and fight another day. Well, good. Keep we'll we'll keep watching the fight, and I'd like to I'd like to be in there watching you with the gloves on here and there. It's been a pleasure to do that and Thanks. have you here. I know. Thank you guys for inviting me. This is fun. Oh, totally, I want to do podcasts now. <laughs> totally cool. Well, you can come in and join us sometime. We just need to find... We need, you need another You chair. find the funding oh, so that God. we can have other chairs. You're good at this. And <laughs> we'll go from there. Chair company. The chair company. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Reach out to a chair company. <laughs> Thanks. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX or on Facebook at Right at the Fork or online at rightatthefork.com. 